Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Ashes of the Imperium, a 40k podcast from sunny England. My name is Dan and as ever, I'm joined by the illustrious Steve Foote. How are you, Steve? I'm very good, mate. Are you? I am brilliant. Thank you very much. Today we are going to be talking about all sorts of things. We're going to cover a little bit about previews, yep. um, previews from the 40k open day. We're also going to talk about chapter approved. Yep. And we're not going to talk about points. <laughs> no. As a special treat to you, Steve, we're going to cover Thank the narrative you. bit. It's my Christmas treat. Exactly. Christmas treat. We're not going to cover points we're going to because I, I think there's a lot of podcasts out there that are already talking about the points and have already spoken about the points at quite some length so we're going to cover a little bit about the other book yes there is another book in the chapter approved it's not the one with all the numbers in it it's the one with all the narrative stuff in it and submissions yep. as well uh, yep. and then uh, we're also going to get on to uh, 2020 and our plans for the future yeah yeah exactly looking forward to it so without further ado let's move on to the first bit shortly after we recorded that review show for the codex adeptus sororitas we uh we talked about how frustrating it was i can't thing is i can't remember whether i edited it out or not <laughs> because i spent i spent some time whinging about not having like a, a certain model out <laughs> was it the uh, the triumph of st catherine yeah yeah that's right i, I was like yeah it's rubbish we don't know what base size it's on like how am i supposed to grump 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 and then uh, like two days later i think before i'd even released the podcast <laughs> it must have been because i was editing it um so like a couple of days later <laughs> the St. Catherine model got released from the open day reveals. Yeah. Uh, not released, you know, previewed. And, yeah. and first of all, what a model. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Uh, uh, how, how am I going to paint that? <laughs> think that might be a sub-assembly one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, it is a collection of models that happen to sit on one base, isn't it? Yeah, I, I guess so, yeah. I guess it's just, you know, paint five characters. One, two, three, four. Yeah, five, six however many it is um five characters and uh, six characters and a bunch of cherubs and then some some terrain some bases yeah it, it's totally achievable it's just because there's a lot going on in one base it, it looks quite intimidating yeah it's, it's as with all these things it's so cleverly engineered that it just looks like this beautiful set piece you know it looks like it should be painted in oils and have a frame around it doesn't it yeah absolutely uh, and well the the gw version does certainly <laughs> i'm not sure you'd be able to say that about my version <laughs> fuzzy uh, felt <laughs> exactly so yeah that's that, that was the point we were we were talking about that i was whinging about it how this model didn't exist and blah blah, blah and then they revealed this model and i was like oh do i look stupid now saying this <laughs> but i think i kept it in anyway um but yeah what a cool model um it's something that i'm looking forward to seeing in the flesh because models like that they always look they look cool from different angles as well don't they yeah i think you, you you'll find other things that are hidden away that we haven't seen yet from the from from what we can do and and i think for me the other thing is um oh, i'm gonna forget what it is now but there it, there was kind of the uh, some administration departments of the sisters and i think some of these models kind of with their uh, unique artifacts removed will, will make great models for other kind of stuff as well because they're just very very interesting and uh, oh yeah they're not particularly combatty are they no so i think for me they they feel like diplomats or they feel like you know objective markers if you like that, that you would be using to protect or something like that so you you yes you want to detach them from that base so that they're not that model Mm. Um, so what you're saying is you want to buy all those individual models singularly off ebay for like 20 quid a pop (laughs) that's like (laughs) that's that's an ebay eBay splitter's dream isn't it you know just sell each one of those for you know a million pounds (laughs) yeah now uh, i've got to get the background and get it all sorted in my head first before we drop the money on it but but yeah no i think uh, yeah it's just a fantastic model um 
And I think what it does, I think I mentioned it before, is it gives a sense of height and scale to the army that when it's sort of at the moment, okay, you've got a few levels, I suppose, because you've got the sisters, you've got your rhinos, you might have some patented engines. but Oh, yeah, it just adds another, another type yeah. of silhouette, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think that, I think that for me, just sort of displaying and, and also sort of looking across and the, the, the table and saying, right, what are the important targets? Well, you know, this is this is shouting that, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, this is uh, this is screaming, shoot me. <laughs> I dare you. And then we've also had some Repentia as well. They arrived, the um, the multi-part models. Yes. I mean, we, we've seen parts of these anyway on the previews Yes, so far. So I guess that's no, uh, no great surprise there. Um, and then we had an interesting model yes the what what is it called the archaeopter or something yes i think that's exactly what it's called there we go got it in Ar- one um, Archeo- yeah thoughts so I, I i like it i really like it i tell you what it reminds me of very much is john carter john seen- carter is that the time travel one yes yeah which is okay. based on based on the um, the fiction books. So it kind of has a slight Flash Gordon-y kind of... It definitely does. It definitely has like punky. sci-fi from the 70s. Yes. And it's got a very... Like, the front end is very Vietnam, isn't it? It's kind of... It's got that kind of... Like, you know, when sci-fi authors were looking at the world around them at the time, and they were like, this is what the military use now. So what would the military use in the future? Well, it must look a little bit like what exists now, but with jet engines or with, you know, flux capacitors. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, what's the old British Army helicopter that's got the nose like that? The... The gazelle? The gazelle, yeah. It's got a little bit of that about it. There's a French helicopter as well that's got so it it, it it's a real mishmash of ideas. I think it comes together, I think it looks cool. I think it's got lots of uh, you know, it can drop bombs, it's got rocket launchers, it's got sort of some pods on there. So, you know, it's it's had everything chucked at it and I think it still comes together. And not uh, is it a hundred percent admec well we don't know because we've never seen what i think it's i think it's because it's so kind of new in lots of ways i think people are a bit kind of like oh uh oh uh. i think that's what it is it's because it's it's groundbreaking yes you know in that we don't have we don't have a 40k era admec flyer and the only thing we've had before is the uh, the droney type one that looks like a plague drone before it got plagued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an know. official official uh, verb there before it got plagued. <laughs> TM. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, oh, I can't even remember what it's called. Uh, the not it's not called a blight drone, but you know it's it look, very much looks like a blight drone. Um, I will have to jump in, though, just very quickly before, um, just because I've, I feel compelled to correct you slightly. Um, you said the Gazelle looks like the French helicopter. Well, I, th- I think everybody out there knows that Gazelle helicopters are made by Aerospatiale. And that's right. that's a French company that I can't pronounce. So FYI, the Gazelle is a French helicopter, Steve. So excellent, excellent helicopter <laughs> knowledge there. <laughs> Maybe not totally joined together, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, here we go. The Volterax Stratos Automata. Right. That's the whole point. That's a that's an automata. That is a drone, not a not a flyer. No one is piloted. Well, obviously there's a observatory type thing in there, or maybe whatever it is. Um, but it's not it's not a piloted vehicle in the kind of traditional sense. Yeah. I I, I suppose for me, uh, does it fit to the does it fit in the style with the new transport that we've had? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think 
it fits yeah. that style and, when, and I whether think, you like that style is another thing yeah like i said yeah it has a, a slight tinge of 50 sci-fi to it um but i'm always happy to see a bit of experimentation and see us going in new directions with things rather than just a a new topper for a rhino I know. oh yeah no absolutely I, I think it's great that admec have their own vibe and have their own style and that games virtual are fully embracing that i think it's yeah. the, the kind of dissonance for me is that it, it, i think it's the wings it's the wings and the feet and, and i saw the james goodwin's sketches and they look super cool and it's great to see those kind of sketches brought to life in model format but if yeah. you look at the uh Volterac stratos automata it's got these kind of like little hover jets and you and i were talking you know, as it's as it's propulsion now you and i were talking about comparing it to uh, units from i was trying to rack my brains to see whether it was from starcraft i was like googling starcraft dropship and valkyrie and all those things and i was like where is this thing that i've seen in a computer game and it's the orca from tiberian sun yeah with those yeah. kind of vent, you know, vertical takeoff and landing kind of air vent things. Yeah. And the, the, the Stratos has got something similar, has got those kind of turbines that you, they look like they rotate. And I think had that uh, Mechanicum thing, sorry, the Admech thing, had um, had the Archaeopter had something similar, I think it would have, and without the legs, that for me would have been perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I it's guess... only a conversion away from from being that if that is what you want. Hundred percent. I mean, I mean, ultimately, it's. Um, I think you're right. It's got kind of membraned wings, a membrane tail, and legs, which you know does hint it being more animal-like. I think if you did put if you did put the turbines on it and made it look a little bit more like a. Um, an osprey, you know, the modern marine transport. Then I think that would change it up a lot. That would change it up a lot. Mm. I, I think one of the things that slightly, you know, does it in the wrong way for me is that the wings look are, are, like, are they meant to flap? Because yes. there's those kind of torsion things on top of them. And then there's these weird little hinge bits on top. So it genuinely looks like it is designed to flap. It's, it's hard to say. I, I see, I, I, exactly, see what I mean? I see that, yeah. And like, I mean, you... You, you know how that whole like don't compare don't compare Warhammer forty thousand to real life physics because you'll get you know when people are like oh the Storm Raven doesn't look like it could fly and you're like yeah but it's got a massive jet engine so you can kind of see it yeah whereas this is like this has got <laughs> membranes and a uh, you know several ton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 completely applying the logic that I say don't apply to 40k to this model, and I, I appreciate the irony of that. But uh, yeah, but I, it's get... it's the wings, it's the wings, and the propulsion just doesn't quite doesn't quite make sense for me. I mean, for me, what it could be, it could be the fact that for transport, these wings do once they finish flying, they fold up. Those membranes all close up that are on the hands, if you like, the outer parts. And then suddenly it's closed for storage, and it's much more streamlined, and you can stash it away inside some big crawler whatever it's going to be so um yeah i'm just looking yeah. at different angles I, like can you see any vent can you see any yeah i can see thrusters on it okay fine i can see little thrusters on the back of it and i think they they appear to be vectored as well don't mm, they yeah okay right take it back quick edit it out make sure i don't sound like an idiot um <laughs> okay cool yeah no I, I can see yeah that big thruster at the back i can i can see that and yeah. so, may, yeah, as I say, maybe these are steering. Maybe they go up and down for steering rather than, or, or storage rather than flight itself. Yeah, yeah. I will, I think I will put a fixed wing on it. If, if I say I'm going to put fixed wings on it, I don't even have a mechanic, um, an Abnick <laughs> army. I have a mechanic <laughs> army. Come on, bring out those 30k rules. Um, <laughs> if I were ever to get one of these, I'd put fixed wings on it, put turbines yeah. in the wings, get yeah. rid of the legs, put another um, 
articulated thruster in the uh, vector thruster in the in where that ball joint is where the leg yep. is and i would possibly trim down some of the um some of the feathers of the tail yeah and, and, and what you'd have there is for me this looks like a very ad what we've got at the moment is a very agile um it's going to be like ducking and diving through crash wrecks on the battlefield it'd be able to duck into little crevices and ravines and fly down there what you're talking about um is something that would be much more performance close support combat jet rather than it being you know and i think that's great you've got two rolls out of the same kit yeah definitely it's it's you know it's personal taste isn't it you know yeah. it's a cool kit it's a very very cool kit if you take take ignore the fact that the wings look a bit you know questionable down to personal taste it's a very cool kit it's very true to the sketches that uh, got talked about and shown on twitter and i guess more to the point it's got three versions it's got a transport a fighter and a bomber yes so fantastic so sort of a gunship even not necessarily a fighter so but you know what is that a, a air to ground type gunship as well as an air to air bomber obviously very much air to ground and then transport you know we, we don't know what weapon options the transport comes with what it can transport what other tricks it has up to sleep so in terms of the rules it, i'm sure it's going to add a huge amount of flexibility to add mech armies and that with the tank that's recent or the, the two tank variants that recently got released i yep. think that's good news yeah 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 no exactly yeah no there we go. So more, more tanks and planes. Please. More tanks and planes. Who wouldn't want that? Um, and then we had more talks about Psychic Awakening. We actually had the next three books talked about, didn't we? Yes. So we've got yes. Ritual of the Damned, The Greater Good, and Song the of Greater the Beast. Good. Yes. So I guess before we go on to Ritual of the Damned, which there was a trailer for, uh, let's briefly touch on The Greater Good. So Tau, yeah. makes sense. Yep. And, and another. Saga of the Beast. Uh Space Wolves saga. Yep. Beast yep. orcs or or is, uh, is 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 that Space Wolves versus orcs? Is that just Space Wolves? You know that kind of thing. It, it, TBC, but it makes sense for it to be uh, something Space Wolfy. Yep. And and Beast suggests potentially orcs. But let's go back to Ritual of the Dam. So there was a trailer, so we know what's coming up in this, don't we? Yes, we've got a little spinny icons again, haven't we? Yeah, the standard spinny icon thing uh, with a kind of uh, narrative overlay message on top, and it's all about the Thousand Suns conducting some sort of ritual of the damned uh, as the name suggests and two, two forces trying to stop them and those forces are the dark angels and the gray knights yes so that's cool because dark angels are cool yes my secret yeah. secret love dark angels and then gray knights uh, why don't gray knights have <laughs> primaris marines like i was i posted on twitter this and, and i kind of like it was one of those like um i guess was it a rhetorical question i was like god no, it wasn't, because I actively did want to know whether there was a yeah. specific reason that had been given. But it was kind of like a, God, Grey Knights should totally have Primaris, shouldn't they? And loads of people were just like, uh, well, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 and gave me all these like really legitimate, uh, you know, law-centric uh, reasons why they don't have it. And I was like, okay, that's fair enough. But like, come on, let's progress the narrative and, and you know, not ignore those reasons, but like develop it so that, you know, Grey Knights... I think Primaris Grey Knights would be insane. Yeah, because they're not as if they're, they're tough enough, really, is it? Well, I just think that I don't want to build any models that aren't Primaris. In sp if I'm going to build a space marine, like I, I was watching, um, what's that new David Attenborough program at the moment? Seven Worlds, One Planet. That's it. Very cool. And I was watching yep. the European one last night and the Australian one the night before. And the Australian one had dingoes in it. Love a dingo. <laughs> and then the... Um, the European one had uh, Central European wolves in it. And, and it's like got this night vision cameras and they're like filming these wolves, like hunt down these deers. And I just thought in, in a typically kind of nerdy way, you know, man that wears wolf T-shirts um, kind of way. I was like, wolves are pretty cool, aren't they? Like, oh, if only there was a wolf army in Age of Sigma, I could do a wolf army. I thought, oh, 
there's a wolf army in 40k. Maybe I could maybe I could do a space wolves army. Have loads of Fenris and wolves. They're cool. Have loads of Thunderwolves. Yeah, they're cool, but they're they're not Primaris Marines riding on them. <laughs> so why would I why would I build them? Given that they've essentially got a shelf life. Yeah. I, I think they you know, I don't think that Games Workshop are going to be actively supporting non-primaris models in the future, are they? Um, They'll have rules. They will. But they're not going they to be will. like throwing the rule money into them, are they? No. It's, uh, as soon as a unit needs updating for whatever reason, assault troops or whatever it is, they will be primaris, won't they? Yeah. And it kind of brings me back to the point we were talking about a few episodes ago about Space Marine chapters not having as much of an identity i don't think in this kind of primaris age because yes they do have things like thunderwolf cavalry they do have things like the um, fancy ravenwing land speeders etc etc but those aren't primaris units and so i want to be collecting primaris space marines and so we don't have the equivalent we don't have thunderwolf primaris cavalry we don't have um primaris ravenwing bikers we don't have i don't know deathwing in gravis armor that kind of thing yeah i, I totally get it i mean i mean the, the the cost to redo all of those kits though from the amount they sell i guess would be just not not worth doing oh yeah absolutely no i, I can see why i can you know at the so risk difficult. i don't, I mean, yeah, how, I don't how want... do you how do you how do you take your flagship and move it on without making everything else feel secondary yeah it's um it's it's it's, it's, it's difficult i mean I, I think when you're talking about you know losing some personality yeah it is a danger that if you make the new models the coolest and the rules the coolest, and then that means the, the majority of whatever chapter you play is Primaris, then on the table it will look the same and play the same. So you've got to keep the flavor. I mean, obviously, they've all got chapter rules, which means they, they do things slightly differently. It's very different to have a slightly different rule for a you know, tactical squad compared to somebody on a bike or sat on the back of a wolf. You know, yeah, that is, yeah I'm, I'm glad transition I'm- time. I'm I'm glad they still exist. I'm definitely glad they still exist. It's it's a shame that my it's it's my own restriction. You know, it's, it, I'm perfectly capable of going to get Thunderwolf cavalry and building a space force army. You know, those options that there are rules for them. Uh, they the models still exist. They're still available. You know, all, all that stuff. It's it's my own personal decision that I want to personally not do things that aren't Primaris. Um, and you and you say you're not me. narrative done. I know. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe deep down in the core. <laughs> but it is i mean it is because if you if you were to take it to the opposite extreme you know it could be a blue counter or a red counter couldn't it if it's if it's just a counter in the game then it doesn't matter what you know what pattern armor they've got or whatever it's, it's but it's all that's all the stuff that gives the game flavor and gives us something to get behind and to uh, read the stories and love the characters and it's about bringing the stories to life on the table so yeah, yeah. definitely and I, I think it's the same for those because is it the tech marine on thunderwolf that doesn't exist now that kind of thing yeah um because that was a or, or it's an index version i don't know whether it's gone legends recently um but yeah i don't know I, I don't want to be negative because there's lots of cool stuff coming out but at the same time it is a shame that um, they don't have as much uh, as many options for um, some of the more unique units but I, as I said I've said that before so I don't want to bang the, the same old drum all over again no but I think what we're seeing is we, what we're seeing now with the psychic awakening books is it, it it just it's just kind of heightening that 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 slight gap in the in the product lineup isn't it 
Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Thousand Sons because they've just had um, a recent kind of... Uh, well, everyone's obviously just had recent things to the chapter approved, but Thousand Sons have had a bit of a tweak, so they're about to get another tweak in, in rules. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shapes up, whether mm. the, the tweaks in the rules in chapter... The tweaks in the points in chapter approved are in advance of some incoming rules, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess if if we're suspecting that there's a there's a little boostage for every faction in the book then in sorry in the uh psychic awakening books then that should even it out i don't know mm. and also such a, i would not want that as a job in all of that one yeah it's a, fair, a fairly complex but, beast yes i mean just having to have a baseline and then have a comparison and then understand the combinations to then have the it's just like oh just i'll um plug yourself I'll map, into the matrix I'll, I'll map out dino dna that's what i'll do it'll be easier <laughs> it'll be interesting to see whether these kind of chapter approved tweaks impact any incoming kind of supplemental codexes As yes in, i don't, don't mean supplements that's actually the wrong word because supplements now exist things like blood angels dark angels and space wolves are they going to get codexes in the future or does the fact they've recently had a psychic awakening all about them negate the need for one have, yeah have, I, they, have they delivered a codex by another means yes yeah we, we just don't know the other forces involved in those books do we because mm. if, if if it was just them versus a small collection of bad guys then half of one of those books is a good way towards a codex isn't it yeah a codex by any other name would smell sweet <laughs> You're right, posh, you are. <laughs> right, moving on. Let's talk yeah. about chapter approved. Steve, what what do you yes. think? This is so before we go into the book itself, it obviously came in two bit two books. That that's a nice little move and something that we saw on the recent General's Handbook for Age of Sigmar. Yeah. So you've got um, the main book itself, chapter approved, and then you've got the piece of card that goes behind it to protect it in the post. Is that is exactly? That what it is? Yeah. The the <laughs> Munitorum Field Manual, which is just all the points. <laughs> I know we said we weren't going to talk about points, however, it is. I think it's good because they have put every single model in this book for the points. They haven't just put what's changed in it. So that is now the truth about points. Yeah. And it means that if they issue an FAQ or there's a change in the meantime, you can just take a pencil or a pen to this book and change it. And then that you can just take that one book with you. Yeah. I, 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 it's, it's the right thing to do. I think for me, it, what it does in the same way for Asia Sigma is you've got this, which is time sensitive, as in the points are time sensitive because there will be a point where points change so you can then just put it in the shelf put it in the recycling whatever you need to do and you'll then have your new points the great thing with the separate separating them out is the gaming part you can still keep on the shelf not get confused by points because they're now sorted because there will be so much material in these things now they're still valid you can still go and cherry pick and use so yes thumbs up from me and so one of one of the kind of bits that we wanted to touch on was the uh, the different types of missions that they've got in there yes so, so so i mean for me what's exciting is almost almost half this book is talking about match play oh, sorry talking about narrative um and that is really good in the they've, they've, they've really tackled it in a really interesting way and uh for each element so i'll just quickly go through them um and we should mention there's obviously open war is what it starts with um 
you and I both have opinions on open war. I think it's good to have it in the book. I'm glad that it has its uh, 10 pages worth of, obviously talks about open war cards. Um, I personally feel if you, you, I think you mentioned it, Dan, is like if, if the way you play open play, you're probably playing it anyway, because it's like a matesy play what you want, put what you want. I mean, M- well, open war cards are different to open play. Uh, yes and no. Aren't they? In that your open war cards do have missions on them. They do, but the and it's, it, it says in the designer notes, I think it's called designer notes, it says, you know, you, yeah, you, you will find combinations which are almost impossible to win. Mm. And you can choose to redraw or you can choose to play it out and see if you can be even more victorious by winning an impossible task. So I think I think for me that's um, that's that's an interesting way. And again, I think for me that's a way of trying to define the differences here. That you know, if you do open more cards and you say right, whatever gets drawn, that's what we're playing. Yeah, because uh, you know you alluded to kind of opinions about open play. Um, I actually quite like the open war cards as as a as a thing. I. I wouldn't play open play i would ensure that the mission that i'm playing with open war is relatively balanced but but i wouldn't ever consider that play you know i'd write a 2000 point army list or something and then say let's use the open war cards to generate a mission that we can play and if one is so ridiculous that you know it's it favors the other person so much that that it's not a challenge then or or it's it's a frustrating game to play then then we might redraw but i think it's interesting that they have put these open war cards in the open play section even though the open war cards have got a a viable way of playing kind of semi-matched play style i.e a kind of relatively straight up um you know like a balanced you know two balanced armies two competitively focused armies but you're just using a random mission generator yes i think i think yeah 100 percent. so the, the, that's that's what open more could it can generate a mission for you a, a deployment and a mission that you just go and um play your game so yeah i, I think i think that's fine um yeah so, so i guess that i guess that has its place and that's where it should live and and you know i, I think that is a, it's a is a good definer when we come to narrative play so, I mean, what we see here is um, some sections here that we, we we've kind of have seen before from way back in the day. So we've got things like spearheads. There was a whole set of spearhead rules from a few years back, wasn't there? Yeah, and that's all about you know big kind of tank or vehicle based missions to represent that kind of yeah armored spearhead, as the name suggests. Yeah, so and then roads the... and mines and tank traps and things like that. Yep. And then special rules that you can kind of cherry pick which ones you want. Reserves, random battle length, preliminary bombardment, which I managed to say. Um, and we've got a nice little f- flavor for me, which I'm quite interested in, which is the tank ace, which is a um, one point command, uh, command point ability. So that's quite nice. But again, it, it starts off with explaining the principle of spearhead. It then breaks it down into some sub rules, and then it even comes down into some missions. So we've got what we've got four, four missions, and then a bunch of tactics, stratagems. So I think for me, it's quite cool. It's like here's the higher principle, here's some rules, and then here is a mission. You can play this mission, and I, and I think in a way you could probably take some of these missions and just chuck them into match play and it would be fine they might not be super balanced but they would be fine but the fact that you've got the context behind it first 
and then the ability to add stratagems, you know, specific narrative stratagems to them. I think you've actually got there as a, as a an organised way to play narrative, which is you know it's not not everyone's like me that's happy to wing it and build side stories and spin off things mid-game. So I really like that. But we don't just get that; we get linked games as well. I, I think before we go on to linked games, I, I think kind of that's what I was talking about. You know, in the open war versus open play. You know, you touched on it there about uh, yeah, bringing yeah. in spearhead into match play. So I say to you know probably not to you, Steve, because you're possibly not the the right audience player for it. But I say to someone else. Um, let's build a competitive 2,000-point army. A competitive is the wrong word because it's used too much and people say, is this competitive? We go, no, it doesn't have you know 17 or X, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, let's build strong but thematic lists around yep. tanks. So let's build a, a good army that you think's got legs or tracks even, um, but <laughs> optional you know isn't isn't a kind of like net list kind of it won over open won the l you know is this list yeah. going to win the lvo probably not highly unlikely but actually it's got loads of tanks in it so how you know it, it's not a binary choice is it it's not like an lvo winning list or a battle force army you can still have a, a fairly decent army that's built around a certain theme and this theme is tanks so you then use this like i guess the the framework the structure that they've provided yeah to allow you to to play a, a kind of a narratively themed mission with these armies that are matched and then you can add in these layers of kind of like the stratagems so i take loads of tyranids someone else takes loads of tanks and there's a hunter organism tyranid stratagem for two cp uh so use the stratagem after deployment is complete but before the first battle round select one enemy vehicle unit that is on the battlefield invisible to a synapse unit from your army roll 1d6 at the start of each battle round on a six the vehicle suffers d6 mortal wounds an enemy unit cannot uh sorry an enemy unit can only be selected by the stratagem once or blast of dark energy for the Drakari. So one CP. Uh, use it when a Ravager model from your army selects one enemy vehicle model as the target of all its ranged weapons. Add one to wound rolls for that Ravager. Yeah. So it's all focused around killing other tanks. Yeah, and I, th- I think you're absolutely or right. Vehicles, because, because you can come at this from the idea of I want to build an efficient functioning army so for example there's a percussive blast uses stratagem when an enemy vehicle suffers any wound as a result of an attack made from a battle cannon by a lehman rust model from your army half the move characteristic for that enemy model until the end of the opponent's next movement phase so if you you know this is going to happen and you really fancy using that because you know your mate's got a load of transports that you want to slow down and keep them off the objective, then you're going to make sure you've got at least one battle cannon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the, same, to the, the front of your the, tank. The, the Astartes one's focused about um, land raiders and lance cannons. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, you're thinking, right, how do I... That's two CP, so I'm going to put a land raider in. Yeah, do you know what? Sod it. I'm going to put three land raiders in it. You know, just <laughs> just, to, just because this is a... As I say, this is, this is a cool way to, to have thematic games and add a little bit of variety and interest to those games you know for club games for weekend games or or indeed for to's looking to run a narrative weekend yeah 100 percent. yeah no exactly so, so it's actually for me who wouldn't necessarily i wouldn't clearly wouldn't class myself as a narrative player I, i'm i think these are really cool i really like these and yeah. i'm definitely going to be playing some sort of casual games using these kinds of rules rather than just practicing for tournaments yes yeah 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 and i think i think what can happen with those sort of things is you'll combo something up that, you know, you, you're doing for thematic reasons or because there is a stratagem within the spearhead rules that allows it to be perhaps, you know, more useful in the game. So then you actually find that, oh, 
actually works really well i might as well add that to my main list so ways of discovering stuff definitely i mean next up we have linked games this is something that we've spoken about before isn't it yeah it works perfectly so it says narrative think about the story you're trying to tell and by extension, the missions you want to be playing. If you're building up to an epic game of Apocalypse, do the initial missions of Kill Team and Warhammer 40k represent your forces establishing positions and probing for weak points? If you're starting with Apocalypse, perhaps the latter missions uh, represent a bit of fight for survival. So it's exactly what the kind of thing we've spoken about, about maybe running an aeronautical Imper- aeronautical imperialist game beforehand to unlock a stratagem for a bombing, rob- bombing run, that kind of thing. Yep, yeah, yeah. No, uh, this is great. Again, this is for, well up up your street, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, much more. Than, well, and I think for me, it's really interesting. That I was like, ooh, we, we, I want this sort of thing for um, Age of Sigmar as well. And again, I think for me, it comes from this whole idea of uh, higher principles. And then as you get read further and further into the chapter, you kind of get it gets more granular, and you get some physical rules, and you get some physical plans. That means what you, you you've kind of gone. Oh, I've got the I've got the concept, but I'm not sure how to execute it. Well, it's all here. I mean, I, I think for me, the simple things like you know what they're talking about with link games is what's the outcome of one game before you go into the next. But you know, rather than having a two d six chart, we've got some examples. So it's like, well, we'll start with examples, and you can work out from there. So you know, you could be fearless. So you know. If you lose the game, whatever, well, you get fearless because it's going to be your last stand, which means everybody passes their morale nerfs tests. But the person that won it actually gets to choose deployment zones because they've got best territory. They've got better, better understanding of the territory because they've, they've won it before. So I think for me, it kind of says, look, you know, you think of the order you want to play it. Here's loads of options about what it could mean from one game to another. And I think lots of people kind of get a bit worried that it basically means, you know, we all start with 2000 points and we have three games and we play one game and whatever's left plays the second game or whatever plays left. In which case, you know, you'll just get a runaway leader or a runaway side and you can never catch up. And that's not that's not what it's suggesting here and i think that's really cool no definitely and, and it's even got some examples of you know like how to do it so war of nightmares talking about a vigilance based game so round one kill team round two apocalypse round three 40k um or death from above so two large forces meet upon the battlefield settle the war once for all but in orbit above them a smaller battle takes place on a space station that holds vast city leveling we- uh, leveling weaponry as these mighty armies clash the outcome of the skirmish above could decide the fate for all so that's literally what we've spoken about before yeah of you know you could even have two two different games you know you can either like two people you could play over a weekend you could say right let's play a game of kill soon in the morning that will impact the game of 40k in the afternoon or you could literally have like three other mates around and you could be playing the sa- the, the game at the same time concurrently. Or you do hardcore where one person plays all three games at once. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> three different systems running from table to table. I think I could manage two. You could, oh, <laughs> now, that's actually a really cool thing. You could set aside like a weekend or a whole day and be like and have a 40K game and then a kill team game. And you, you're right. Each play, you play like one round of turns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you play one round of turns for you play turn one for you both in Kill Team, and you play turn one for you both in Forty K, and the results of one impact the other. Even so, you could oh. say like the Kill Team one on the space station, you know, gets you that orbital strike or whatever. But the the game on the yeah, yeah, K yeah, yeah. one, yeah, yeah, 
you may, maybe there's like maybe there's drop ships and you could send reinforcements up into orbit to like reinforce your kill team <laughs> but it would be cool so the, the the orbiter has got the death ray targeted on the battlefield you know where it is it's right in front of the objective so do you move into it praying that your kill team disable it before it fires or do you move around it because you know your kill team isn't going to make it so yeah that that sort of um real-time overlaid games yeah yeah again like that's not really like i much prefer the tournament style of games but i would definitely do this over a weekend just for the lols yeah yeah because because mad things would happen um and i think as well i mean this is the beauty for me of narrative play is that you you would do you start off with a little story and it'd be like well they did this and this and they've killed everyone on the space station so they're going to drop pod down aren't they yeah of course they should drop pod down that's the coolest thing to do it's not it's the rule say you drop you, there's drop ships on the you know on the orbiter platform no but they, they will be they should be you know they can't just sit up there now having a few tinnies and watch what's going on you know they'd want to pitch right in and it's much easier to um, build on those stories when you've put all the work in beforehand. So, you you know, you know that people are going to um, this guy is, wants revenge because of what's happened to the other squad. So, yes, he's going to use the tele- teleporter and go over there and he's going to get them. And I, th- I think for me, it, it becomes so much easier to play. You can even like, yeah, you can. And definitely amongst the group of you, you could set up like faction whatsapp groups couldn't you yeah you could even yeah, have like yeah. a, a gm type person so you could have like the imperium whatsapp group between like the two or three of you and then you could have the xenos or chaos whatever whatsapp group but then you could have like the weekend whatsapp group where the gm can be like right you know and there's gms in both monitoring both and can adapt the narrative of the missions as they go forward and you can start laying some smack down and you can start you know start threading in your own narrative as well yeah yeah i, I um did that for an Age of Sigmar event where um, there was two sides and um, I was on the chaos side with Muscaven, but I had a word with GM and just said, can we sneak a spy into the other camp? So when I got, when the WhatsApp groups got started, my name just went in with everybody else's. So I just sat there quietly listening to everything, <sighs> not saying everything, and then going back and selling the information to someone on my side. <laughs> in so- the- so sneaky <laughs> but you know it was, it was skaven have got so much flavor for that sort of stuff it's really fun mm. to do and people get it people get it and yeah and, then, think... and there's there's the narrative hooks in 40k for exactly that kind of thing so there's the alpha legion infiltrators there's um eldari sears there's the custody sister spy network there's anything it's just imperium assassins and agents you know there's definitely things in there that you can kind of manipulate to allow you to get kind of information or maybe it's an orc blood axe like a blood axe commando meeting up with a kind of like a renegade guard but not a renegade guard in the chaos sense but someone that's like willing to talk to this orc yep. or whatever yeah yeah. Definitely, yeah there's definitely space in the narrative to kind of do things like that in 40k uh, as well uh, yeah uh, even things like um uh sort of combined chaos force with night lords and the night lords come in and do the psyops behind the enemy lines and actually maybe the major general the, the general of the, of the the warlord of the chaos would want the, the night lords to stay there and just push on but they're like no we've done our bit we've scared this lot to death we've d- distracted those we've we're forcing the enemy to bring back troops to deal with us we're just going to melt into the shadows and maybe we'll come back and maybe we won't and it's just like that's really cool that's just really cool rather than you know these are my models pushing forward there's also a really cool bit um which is 
you know, we talk about narrative seed pods. I swear this book is literally like <laughs> expanding on lots of things that we've already spoken about. Um, I'm not credited in the book, but it's okay. Narrative challenge mission, plot hooks and ideas. So this is moving on to the challenge mission bit. Yeah, this but is very cool. This is just where it's like, you know, winning that kind of match play style on objective points thing isn't isn't necessarily what's what's winning the the, the narrative mission or, or what victory means. So a great yeah. example would be a convent of Adeptus Sororitas finds itself on top of an awakening Necron tomb complex. The sisters know that they will not survive, but must protect their astropaths whilst they send as much information as possible to warn the wider Imperium of the threat. So it's literally like, as a sisters player, you know you're all going to get murdered. Yeah. You know, and and as the Necron player, do you do you give the Necron player respawning things? Do you give them just like four thousand points over two thousand, whatever it might be? But you know that ultimately those sisters are all going to die, and the mission actually is to see how many turns you can last, and you know. Mm-hmm. And what is victory? Is it is it two turns, three turns, four turns? Yeah. You know, and that's really up to the players to decide. And, and I think for me, if you just took away the story and you just said, you've got these three counters that have to stay alive. Do, do you want to play a 2,000 point game? I'll have 4,000 points. That doesn't sound fun. But but how you play would be massively different. So maybe that gun line, you're going to have to push out with like a, a big piece of bubble wrap. You're going to have to push it right out really close to the enemy to slow them down enough for the astropaths to get another turn of getting the information. Exactly, because it's all about the story. It's all about the mission. Yeah. You think like yeah, yeah. that, you know, playing someone with twice as many points doesn't sound fun. But actually when it's like a challenge... You yeah, know, everyone loves a challenge. Everyone loves a bit of competition. So, yeah. uh, no, I think it's really cool. And uh, it's a dice game, you know. What if that? What if that gun line end up smashing up that combat unit and starts moving on? And maybe, you know, they last two more turns than everybody imagined they would. I mean, that becomes an epic story, then, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So this whole section is exactly about that. It's about uneven, unbalanced games. And um, yeah, no, I, I want to play these. I want to play these definitely and and again you know we get the story we get the layers we get the concept we get the plot lines the stories pods the you know and but even get we get down to missions and stratagems so yeah no this is great this is a really good really good bit of the book so two thumbs up from steve two thumbs up from steve and then of course you get onto the the match play missions oh is that how you say it i couldn't i've not seen that before what's that machid oh the 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 machade pilar yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what else that? Um, I've got my, my link things in a foreign language. Um, yeah, so you've got the match play missions uh, and then the updated uh, data sheets for demons. Yeah. But overall, yeah, I, like, I, I think it's a really, it's it's probably the, the the chapter-approved book that I've been most, that I've spent most time kind of flicking through and not just looked at the points and the, the new match play missions. That's no, great. And the nice thing is that those missions are pretty timeless. Those those the stories are pretty timeless those ways of approaching the game are timeless so that can just sit on the shelf and like you say when you get your mates around for a weekend uh, or it's let's do something different at the club night then pull that off and go right there we go we'll do this one who's got this who's got that who can bring something like this who wants to be the who wants to be on top of the necron team definitely uh, do you remember that older uh, Forge World? Do they even do it? The Necron Forge World, um, like Tomb uh, Realm of Battle. Oh yeah, I remember that. Is that even a thing? Yeah, they do it. Still a hundred quid a, a board. <laughs> okay. Uh, six hundred quid for a tomb, a six by four tomb. Well, six hundred and six pounds because uh, it's one hundred one pounds. Realm of Battle Necron Tomb Citadel. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be yeah. really cool. I mean, it's everything you need, isn't it? Really. I mean, that's the other thing to think about. It's not just. Um, 
it's not just a flat board that so you've got to then put a load of stuff on it. Mm. It is it is good to go. You could even you could even just get two of them and have that as like the edge of it or in the middle. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. The middle makes sense, I think. That's yeah. Oh, nice. It's got some cogs wearing. No, I don't need a Necron Tomb <laughs> Citadel. <laughs> You do have an army, though, don't you? I do. I do have a Necron army. And I've, I've actually been... That's Steve, excellently segued. Excellently segued <laughs> onto our projects for 2020. I have actually been painting a Necron warrior. It was a, well, a Necron model. It's a, an immortal... Um, what is it? A Deathmark. The Sniper Dudes. The Sniper Dudes. Did I show you? No. I didn't. Oh, I've got a, got a live WhatsApp you now. Yeah. This is... This is, this is radio. This is top <laughs> quality. This is like a Twitch live stream, but not... <laughs> There you go. I've sent you a sent you a death mark. Hey, there he is. That's nice. It's cool, isn't it? Good color. I like the picking out the knee bits and yeah. So it's quite a tough color to um to is that over the silver is the purple well, color. It's not over actually the... silver. So this is really good radio. We're actually now talking about a picture <laughs> that no one else can see. So I've I want I've got some scale seventy five metallics. Um, scale seventy five a painting a brand of paint. Um, I've got some cool metallics and. I've also got the Scale 75 ink intensity range. So as the name suggests, it's a series of inks um, yeah. and that are very pigment heavy. And I, I wanted to give it a go. And I wanted to give this this, this range of paints I hadn't really used because I bought a whole <coughs> bunch of them for my for my Alpha Legion 30k army because they do some really nice metallic blues and greens. And I was just playing around with some colours. And I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll give this a go on a Necron because I do have all these Necrons that I've been talking about doing for ages. So I sprayed one of the colours, um, kind of, it's called like black metal water. So it's quite a dark, a dark kind of bolt gunny kind of metal yeah. and i sprayed it with something called peridot or peridot um and on when you put it onto a bit of paper like a kitchen towel pure just straight out of the bottle it's it's a really greeny kind of i don't know how do i how do i describe it i'm gonna grab it oh, this is again excellent radio yeah it's like a kind of really weird green kind of color and i thought that would look really cool on a necron and then i sprayed the necron and it was gold. <laughs> and I was like, that does not, like, that is so strange. So when it's like really concentrated on the, in, in a paper towel, it looks kind of greeny gold, almost kind of, what is that color? Like with teal on the edge. And then when you spray it through an airbrush, it comes out gold. And then I then took another color, color called citrine and sprayed, on, which is kind of like a really, really light yellowy gold, yellowy silvery kind of color. And then I sprayed that from the top. So essentially it's got, it's a gold Necron. And then I thought about doing, is it the Nephrex scheme, which is um, kind of turquoisey. Yeah. And um but I did purple instead because I don't I don't want to um do a pure um like a pure scheme, you know, like a chapter recognized right. scheme. I want to yeah. do something slightly different so that I can have flexibility to run it as whatever I want. Yeah. So essentially it's a gold necron with some purple bits, but the purple bits are ink. Ah. So the metallic of the purple and it's all it's all one colour apart from the ink. Uh, and and I've put a little bit of white on the on the heads. Okay, yeah, I can see that. That's that, that's nice, actually. I, I assumed it was a, just a harsh highlight from the top right, but no. Nice. Well, that's, that's what I mean. So the white on the head looks like shine of the yes. of the Necron. So it's it's quite weird. And I did think about doing the gun a different colour, so black. But then, yeah. So it just comes back to why would they need it? You know, it doesn't need to be an ABS stock because it's lighter, does it? Because they're robots; they can carry all that it would actually be stronger, you know, and, and what do you make? What's the, what's the material you make the super strong parts and the armor out of where you'd use that 
for the gun stocks. Yeah, why? Yeah, exactly. Why have they made their warriors out of metal A and then made their weapons out of like black plastic? <laughs> because you know it makes their arms tired. No, it doesn't make their arms tired. I'm sorry. So yeah. I think for me, yeah, no, it's cool. So I guess so how many have you got? Yeah, well, that's the one that I painted. Right. <laughs> I've got probably got a two thousand point army somewhere. Um, okay. But it's all a mix of stuff. A lot of wraiths. There's a lot of wraiths in there. Um, and this was just a little little test scheme, a test model that I thought of doing just because I wanted to test out these colours. And actually, you know, because I didn't paint the gun a different colour, I thought, do you know what? This is kind of, this is quite cool. I could do a whole army really quickly. Yeah. So I, I yeah. might do that and see how that goes. Because, and that would very much be, that would be an army that I could use at, you know, at weekends and at, the, at a club game. Yeah. That is, I, I'm not going to take this to a tournament because it's not, it's, because I want to run loads of wraiths and like the Canoptic Tomb um stalkers and sentinels and even the big uh the big uh forge world you know big stompy titan thing i, w- I just want to run them because they're cool yeah i'm not too fussed about it being particularly competitive so i think that's that's going to be like my kind of my fun army for for the next year is going to be necrons nice. because i've been talking about doing it for ages and now that i've got a scheme which i can actually kick out in a fairly rapid fashion yes i'm i'm like yeah let's do that so that kind of brings me on to what am i gonna do for my competitive army for next year and the question is i have no idea because <laughs> i'm currently i'm finishing off i don't know why i'm painting necrons when i've got sons of medusa to paint so i'm going to be doing uh sons of medusa to, for, till mid-january for the gt final and yeah. i've been painting up the the some of those today um be painting my sons of medusa in the like the camo color the bad war camo color um, nice. which will be quite cool yeah i think i sent you a picture of that yeah um i had a you know when you're painting something you think this could go really really badly <laughs> it was definitely one of those moments so i i painted them a kind of sandy color and then done basically like tiger stripe camo using uh, a brown kind of like a well it's contrast brown actually it's wildwood or gore grunter fur or something like that and then um but ever so slightly watered down and i was doing these essentially i'm like drawing brown stripes across a a model, a painted model. And I just it feels thought, scary, doesn't it? This could look absolutely rubbish. It, there's, there's no better definition of going outside the lines than yeah, doing literally. That, and I'm like, <laughs> of drawing these like massive like tiger stripe brown lines down this model, thinking like, oh god. Um, but actually, do you know what? I think it's going to look all right. Um, we'll see. Uh, it's good. I think. I think for, for me, you go back to you know why do you have camo and it's to break up lines and silhouettes that are recognizable yeah so the fact that the knee pads you know the camo kind of goes round the knee and goes over the goes over the gap and the knee pad and goes round so you're you're you're, you're breaking up those lines that define it so it, you know camo you know, camo paint schemes work when they do like they're supposed to <laughs> no, yeah sounds, sounds like a dumb thing to say well but. yes and no i think you have to be careful not to apply too much realism otherwise I, I you very can't much see wanted, it <laughs> well yeah you, you drop your model on a in a forest and you can't see it anymore yeah. um i didn't i wanted this to be like do you know what i mean by arnie commando camo yes in, yeah, the, yeah. in the film commando and he's just got like those big black stripes down his face yeah, uh, I kind of want that to be like that, like Hollywood camo. I don't want this to be hyper realistic because space wings aren't hyper realistic. Uh, equally, I'm I based these on uh, Martian Iron Earth, so it's a sandy yellow marine with brown stripes on essentially red terrain, so that the camo doesn't even match the basing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, uh, but but I wanted to embrace this concept that has been in the law for for 
decades, which is that Sons of Medusa, back in the Bad Ad War and the kind of rogue trading days, they had two schemes. And one was a green scheme, and yeah. one was this kind of um, yellowy, deserty kind of tiger pattern, tiger camera pattern. And I thought, yeah. what better way to use that little snippet of law and embrace it with the Phobos models. So every Phobos, any unit that has a Phobos uh, keyword in my army is going to be painted okay. in this scheme. Nice. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I mean, that's that's absolutely pulling narrative into how you line your, sol- line your soldiers up. It's great. I love it. And it, it's a really good work, mate. I mean, I think it, it really comes across as... And I think, you know, it, it becomes that sort of badge of honour, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm... I like it. It's it's cool. As I say, this is going to be my that's my competitive army for for th- this year. You know, almost done. And actually, it will be my this is my tale of many painters army. So by the time not by the time this gets out, but by the time the year is over, this I'll have a two thousand point army. So I've kind of I've, I, I know I've been a bit rubbish at the tale of many painters things, and I haven't really kept up because I've been painting things kind of almost at the same time. I haven't been doing like twelve CP. Um, 12 parallel rather a a month i've just been kind of doing like half of 112 here half of one like all the base coats yeah. because a lot of it's airbrush based i want to get yeah. all the base coats done stuff like that so i've been a bit rubbish on it but actually come come january i really want to be kind of kicking back into that and doing something consistently and that's something i can totally do with my necrons because i can get all the base coats done in one go yeah and then and then just kind of pick up a few power level of models here and there yeah yeah no they'll look great but I guess it yeah it does come back to the original question is is what what army I'm going to do and I've got a few got a few things projects on the go haven't we we've got um so I bought a Tau army off my friend Max yep. and he, he I, I paid him for it I bought it from him he's then since spent that money on his new project I still haven't picked it up off him so <laughs> and I think because of that maybe because I haven't had them in my hands. I haven't got any affection for them. I kind of bought them because I wanted a different army and I've kind of like maybe not lost interest in them, but I think I need to get them. I'm going to hold on to them until the greater good psychic awakening book comes out. Yeah. See what that book brings. And then, and then depending on what that book brings, I'll either keep them or, or get rid of them. Yep. And actually it'll be a good time to get rid of them because other people might be interested in town at that point. Um, so people might want them. Bought some Eldari. So I bought some Eldari off Andy. It was my kind of ghost army. Again, that's just, that's like literally has, some of that has sat in the box that it arrived in. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether that's because work's been really busy and I haven't had time to kind of get to them or whether it's because that's me saying that I'm not interested in them. So again, they might they might go. Uh, I've got my Krieg. Now my Krieg is something that I keep do coming them. back to. Keep do them. Do them. Do, do them. the Krieg. And I've got so many horses and, I, and I'm looking All for ways. The do the horses. Oh, do the Jim Carnalist. Do the Jim Carnalist. <laughs> I've got lots of artillery and lots of horses. I, I mean, so that, you need. That's all you need, need, right? And a blacksmith. And a blacksmith. <laughs> Shod those steeds. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's that. That's potentially an army. But again, is it going to be? Is it going to be competitive? Renegade Guard. That's another one. I've got a whole bunch of re- the Renegade Guard from the Blackstone Fortress. There's it, just it's too much. To, I have got rid of. Well, I'm getting rid of my Death Guard. So if you want yeah. a Death Guard army, anyone out there, then uh, go on my Twitter and, um, and and find the Death Guard army and send me a DM. Um, but yeah, so I've, I have definitely got a lot up there. I, I'm very keen to remove projects that I'm not planning on doing, either like out of sight. So I've, I've got some like hobby shelves, just put them in a box and out of sight, or even yeah. sell them on. Yeah. And I fear that the Eldarian Tower may may become those uh, those armies, but the Tower are definitely going to wait until until the book comes out. Yeah, I don't know what it'll bring in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What about yourself, Steve? What have you got? So, um, sisters. Naturally. So start, starter sets wrapped up under the tree. Um, um, but obviously, we all know by just by the very nature of the t- name, it's just the starter. 
Um, so uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be great. And I'm going to, I think I'm going to keep them. I'm, I'm not a 2000 point man, so I'm going to keep them quite small, but I kind of want to paint them as hard as I can. If that makes sense. <laughs> uh, try and, cause the, the models are so lovely. And I think, if we could just, uh, and I think I might challenge myself and do the sacred rose. So that's the white armor. So I think that will be something new for me to challenge. Uh, where I'm going to go with them, not sure. I just know it's going to be all in. So, yeah, bit, it, it will be my usual bit of everything, I'm afraid, rather than anything. No, that anything. makes sense. And actually, this is a, one of the things that I kind of... I've, I've got the box. I'm trying to work out. I was talking about doing them gold. I'm now, I'm now doing my Necrons gold, so do I want to do another gold army? Probably not. So I'll have a think about it. There was someone, someone mentioned something on a, on a WhatsApp chat about doing like a punk sisters army. Yes. So like mix doing like Escher heads. And actually, I think that would be really cool. <laughs> would. And just like painting it them like orange and pink or something. Do you know what I mean? Like just, just going all out. Not, not to the extent of using Escher weapons, but maybe on some of the characters. Just like, just going a bit crazy and just kind of really embracing that kind of like punky feel of the Escher and just bring it into 40k with the Sisters of Battle. But then there's a lot of dissonance between like the kind of pure robes, churchy vibe that the Sisters models have with the kind of over the top punk Escher models. Yeah, the sort of the beads feel like chains kind of thing, don't they? And uh... yeah, I don't know whether the, is that too much, you know. D- is it going to look a bit weird having such crazy heads on very kind of demure and churchy kind of models? I think if you just put those heads on, you know, the the white armor or the red and black that we're so used to, it, it might be uncomfortable. But I think if it was very much a fluoro scheme or something, then I think it would change how it looks. Test model, Dan. Test model. Test model. Do it. Yeah, good shout. Yeah, yeah, like that. And then the other thing that's um, been sitting on my shelves. Um, and has risen its head above the the, the dune. Is my, <laughs> the parapet dune. Yeah, yeah is, um, is my Talan. Ah, so yeah, my, that's my been going on for a while. Uh, mainly I've been picking up bits and pieces, well, mainly from you, but I've been picking up bits and pieces to fill it out, so everything is now fully mechanised, so everything's got a ride. Um, I've got enough um, uh, Chimera now to, to, to load it up, and I've got some air cover as well, so um, that's good. Um, but it's going back to how I tackle them modeling wise. Cause I love doing tanks. I love the techniques. I've got loads of materials, weathering powders, all that stuff. But it came down to a, a long evening on WhatsApp between you and me, um, just bouncing. What about this? Well, that wouldn't work. Well, why would they do this? And why is that? And just Googling lots of pictures. Um, but I think I've found the approach, um, in that, it, you could easily go over the top and make it look like they were post-apocalyptic house movers and that you had everything in the kitchen sink on top of a vehicle, which would then make it stop it being a fighting vehicle. And I think that's something you highlighted. And I think that, yeah, that's right. Um, but what I want to do is, is go back to the background and the background being that they are desert fighters. They are happy to be in the desert they move fast they strike on flanks or from the rear they they live in the desert they, they are nomad people so i do want them to have the ability to appear that they've got enough kit on board or, or they're organized enough that they they can do that so and then for me it was about googling enough reference pictures about um you know what markings are used for where are they put on the vehicles um so yeah just thrashing that out 
was really helpful, Dan. So thanks for that. That's all right. No, I think there was, as you say, there was a there was a fear that you either went hyper realistic, which as as mentioned on the camo scheme, I'm not like it's a it's a World War One styled tank, and you were looking at going almost kind of. Well, I was looking like at hyper realistic modern warfare style. Bit of brass etched slat armor yeah. to defeat RPGs at one stage, wasn't it? Yeah, and I just I just don't think like No, it was a good good shout. Yeah, and, and then so you you were looking at going down the hyper realistic route, or there's um there's the other option, as you said, the other kind of channel where it looks like something at like a Mad Max Fury Road, where you've got so yeah. much kit on it, it just becomes a bit kind of over the top. Whereas actually, you know, if you want to go back to the kind of narrative, have they have they stashed all their like tents and their like belongings in in a kind of safe zone? And are they riding to are they riding into battle with like the minimum kit that they they, they need? So you, you don't have to bring everything with you potentially, or or is it just in stowage bins? So you don't necessarily need to have everything on the outside of the tank just to show that they're campaigning. You can achieve that through a different you know different effect. So what, it, can you achieve that through weathering? Can you achieve that through uh, like you know, heavily weathering the transfers to show that they, they've been on for a while, you know, the markings and things like that. So there's, there's little things you can do to kind of give visual cues to the model to suggest the things you, you wanted to achieve without going kind of full, absolutely like 100% down that down the rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. And it's things like the fact that the vehicles can be reasonably tidy and looked after. They might be dusty because they've been out in the desert for a while. They may have taken a couple of hits and survived. So there might be a few dings and dents, but it doesn't in the same thing. It doesn't mean it's you know been in the tumble drive with a load of pebbles and got so many chips on it that, you know, it, it, you can barely see any paint left. So I think for me, that's that very subtle balancing act that will we'll, we'll, we'll tell those stories visually. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that challenge. Definitely. Challenge. Is that is that a tank pun there? I'm looking forward <laughs> to that challenge too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so yeah. So good, Steve. You, you set them up. <laughs> I knock them down. All right. So we need definitely to coordinate our basing. So I will... I will do, I will base my Krieg the same way that you base your ta- your talent. Yes. Right. And then yep. my cavalry can ride along next to your cavalry. Yes. My cavalry will be neighing, muffled neighs <laughs> through their gas masks. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, that sounds perfect, mate. Love it. And then we can shoot some gold necrons. Yes. Yes. So it's going to be busy, and we and we there's still a bit of intrigue into me as like what what else is coming. Yeah. So there's an open day in January, isn't there? Yeah, and there's LVO coming up as well, and Adepticon. See, my guess will be J- January will be all of the sisters' full release with all the lovely, shiny stuff that we can't get just yet. So it probably won't be the January release for something new. But do you, do you reckon we'll get a new army next year? What, like a new a new faction? Yeah, they kind of kind of caught up. There's, got, re- there's got to be something big. I mean, like re envision. Well, the obvious one True. is a new edition. We'll get we'll get a new edition 40k in the summer. Yeah, it's, it's my vote. It's, that's, that's and, the, I, and I think that might be that might be the reveal from from LVO. Uh, okay, LVO is in January. LVO is January 24th to 26th. You then got Adepticon March 25th to 29th. Yeah. So yeah, I reckon I reckon we'll see. Well, as you say, like January will be very much about the sisters in the present, like in January. And then at yep. the end of January, we've got LVO, which will be about the future, the year, what's you know what's going to be coming this year. And then March, we'll start to see more details on that. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the thing is they've got... So what do they say they're going to do? One Psychic Awakening book a month, I think, in the... Yes. Yeah, so January, 
there's the Thousand Suns one, February, you've got the theoretically Tau one, March, you've got the theoretically uh, Orc one, or, or Spacewalk one, whatever it was we decided. Yeah. And then, and that's March. And at the end of March, you've got Akon. So that's then yeah. a whole another bunch of, you know, what's the next three or whatever. April, May, June, and then June, July, August, whatever time, whatever. I reckon maybe June we'll have a new edition. Yeah. So so there's there's a huge amount to look forward to. I'm just old, Dan. You are. Incredibly didn't, so. It didn't seem like we two minutes ago we had the last edition. I know. We started this we started this podcast on the last edition, Steve. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Forty episodes in. Yeah. What would you change? I know. Oh, what would I change? Yeah. What would I change about the the um, the past uh, forty episodes? No, the <laughs> the next edition. Oh the next edition. I was gonna say D- what, double what, turn. what I'd change about the podcast, Steve, is I'd uh, I'd set up our hosting properly so that when I went away with work <laughs> didn't kill the podcast <laughs> damn you wordpress um what i changed the new edition oh that's do you know what that's a that's a question for another episode i think i think it is i, I think, think that's a question is. why don't we do that as our uh, next episode we'll talk about what we as as part of the next episode because we don't want to just wish list for a whole episode no no i think yeah but let's have uh, maybe like three questions and then we'll answer each question sounds good yeah I like it. Right, Steve, you've got some news, haven't you? I have. I have. I've um, been sharing a lot of my stuff on Twitter for a few years now, and it seems to go down quite well. Um, so I'm, I'm reaching out to people out there that enjoy what I do. Um, so I've gone to Patreon. So those who don't know, Patreon is a website where you can post up data, uh, content, videos, audio, everything, links. Um, and those people that want to support the artist or the creator, content creator, whoever it is, um, they can pay from anything from $2 a month to get access to that. Um, the stuff that I'm putting up there is actually slightly different to perhaps what you've seen on Twitter and that Twitter can be a, a work in progress or it can be a complete project. But for me, the uh, patron is allowing me to share my thoughts, processes, the really dodgy sketches, the I found a link, I found this, I'm going to add this to this. So it's about sharing the process that I go through in making an army. Uh, currently, I've got my new um, Age Sigma project going on there. But as of the new year, it will kick off with the Talan. And so that's going to be um, the army background. It's going to be how I finalize how I'm going to paint them and kit them out. So the beauty of Patreon is, uh, unlike my brain and my hobby ethic, and I'm, I'm very much like you, Dan, and uh, I've got this main project to do. Oh, look, I'll just paint this. Oh, I'll just go and make a mat. Oh, I'll make a dice tray. I can keep that same workflow for me, put it all on Patreon, and by using tagging, you can just say, right, reorder this so that I can just see Age Sigma, or I can just see 40K, or I can just see Talan, and by clicking the tags... It will strip away all my random ramblings and just give you that that sort of timeline that's red. Um, so yeah, so if anyone's interested, um, it's on on patreon.com forward slash footworks and that's foot with an E. So it's F O O T E W O R K S. Thank and, you very much. And as someone, as someone, I obviously get like a, a dose of Steve on like a, a weekly or fortnightly basis whenever we <laughs> chat and like you know. 
we don't obviously we don't release every minute of our chats as well because there's a lot of you know we'll say oh let's let's uh, let's link up at two o'clock and talk podcast and then by three o'clock we're like oh should we start because we've, we've natted <laughs> on for for hours and you know, literally an hour talking about you know army plans you know have you seen this seen this and like <laughs> models and ideas and actually like it's it's like i'm inspired you know i don't mind saying this to you steve um i'm genuinely inspired by how you hobby and like what goes on and actually talking to you about all those kind of things is a great inspiration for for my hobbies so like i know i've got a slightly different perspective on the hobby to you but actually a lot of what you talk about kind of informs how i hobby so i get that that dose via via skype so if, if you if you out there listeners want want a little dose of that about the kind of the, the workings of the mad workings of, of steve foot's mind then genuinely go and check it out because um it's certainly helped me all these conversations that we've had in and around the podcast and and the podcast itself has certainly helped kind of inform and influence my hobby um definitely so uh so i'll, I'll definitely recommend it yeah thank you dude and, and i think the other thing is the nice thing is because these things are um you know they're a they're a blog page within it there's comments underneath so you can leave comments and because for me they're all nicely kept together i can just pop in see what people have said and reply and you know people have made suggestions already and i'm like oh that's a nice idea i'll park that and when i get around to doing that stage of it so yeah i'm looking for people's ideas and thoughts too so it's kind of exciting it's good yeah that's the problem with twitter it's um twitter's so temporary isn't it you know once a tweet goes past you know, 50 minutes old or an hour old it's kind of it's gone and then you just yeah you can't really I, have a proper conversation or, or a thread about it i thought i'd bombarded somebody you know twitter with this project and then somebody who i know is on twitter i've chatted on twitter i've seen their stuff on twitter and i told them about it i've not seen that it's just like yeah they just missed it at the wrong time oh yeah scan past you know, it no, twitter's too busy giving you algorithms about things that you know yeah that you once clicked on you thought oh, i swear i deleted my cookies but no no why is that giving me an advert for that thing? <laughs> I promise that I'm not into that kind of thing. <laughs> and actually, I've got a little um, announcement as well. Um, you have. I have, yeah. So going up, very exciting things for both of us on the horizon. So um, I've also started an Age of Sigma podcast. Um, so one of the things when we put out our kind of survey at the beginning of the year, feedback survey, uh, one of the things that a few people came back with with was uh, we'd, we'd be interested in hearing some Age of Sigma content. And I didn't think Ashes of the Imperium was the right place for that. Um, I've also wanted to take the, the Age of Sigma podcast in a slightly different direction and want it to be more, much more competitive focused and uh, have it more of a kind of interview style show. I know we've done a few interviews on Ashes with various different people, but I, I kind of wanted uh, what what is now called is priority role. So it's at priority role on Twitter. Uh, so I w- wanted priority role to be very much about um, a platform for me to speak to various different people in the Age of Sigmar community about uh, about fo- focusing on uh, predominantly match play, uh, getting tournament organisers on board to talk about why they wrote a pack in a certain way, talking about people about projects and armies and things like that, but again, with the kind of background uh, current of it being competitively focused and match play focused. So that's my little project. So if, if you like the sound of that, then head to, uh, you can go to Twitter, it's at Priority Roll, it's at Priority Roll on Instagram, uh, and it's also on Anchor, much like a- AOTI is, it's, it's anchor.fm forward slash Priority Roll. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we'd love to would love to have your thoughts on it, so feel free to ping, us, ping me an email, it's Priority Roll Podcast at gmail.com let me let me know your thoughts if you're coming over from 40k and interested in age of sigmar as as a, a new player or or indeed you're an old sweat and you've you've got a few thoughts or indeed you want to be on the on the show then then hit me up uh email twitter all that jazz so uh i look forward to hearing from you or or hope you enjoy listening to it yeah exciting times so there we go that's it from us and of course steve on twitter you are i am at 
Tin Racer Steve. And I am at Danger Mouse 425. But most importantly, the podcast is at AOTI 40K on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or indeed, you can email us. We are ashesoftheimperium at gmail.com. And, and lastly, I guess most importantly, perhaps at this time of year, we should probably say Happy Christmas. Yes. It is, it is the 20th of December. So by the time this comes out, it'll probably be about Christmas. So yeah, Happy Christmas, one and all. Yeah, everyone. Um, you too, Dan. It'll be the uh, traditional hobby smell of super glue or plastic glue on Boxing Day. Oh, yeah. Unboxing Day. <laughs> building all your toys. So yeah, uh, everyone's having good holidays and all that jazz. Spending time with families and staying safe. Look forward to uh, the next episode of Ashes Imperium, uh, which will be out in, in a couple of weeks in the new year. So our next episode, episode 41, will be out in 2020. Very exciting. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Until next time, happy hobbying. Cheers, guys.